time to screw the norms. To fit in, we often hide what's on our minds, who we really are, or who we want to be, or even what we want to do. But now you're having the right conversations. Here, we'll talk about sex, relationships, and mental health, and how they interact with each other and so many other aspects of life. Shame can't survive when we're honest and curious with each other and ourselves. It's time for your mind to scream less and for you to screw more. I'm Rachel Wright, a non-monogamous queer psychotherapist and your host. You've probably figured this out by yourself by now, but if you own a vulva, did you know that there is a three in five chance that having penetrative sex doesn't result in an orgasm? Enter Zumio. (laughs) Zumio is a -a one-of-a-kind toy with the sole purpose of providing a unique, stimulating experience. And guess what? It doesn't even vibrate. It rotates with a concentrated pinpoint energy that allows you to control how and where you use it. There are four different models specifically designed for your personal intensity preferences. And Zumio is great for vulva mapping and exploring the rest of your body, whether that is solo or with a partner. Check out www.myzumio.com slash Rachel. That's R-A-C-H-E-L for a special discount for the Right Conversations listeners and take control of your orgasms today. Hello, friends. Welcome. Welcome back. (laughs) Oh, man. It has been such a journey releasing this podcast, and I just want to thank each and every one of you who has reached out, who has DM'd me, who has emailed me, who has posted screenshots, who has left ratings and reviews. By the way, if you have not left a rating or review yet, please do so. I cannot tell you how beneficial it is for podcasts. It's like, it's just one of the most helpful things that you could possibly do. Um, That and send it to a friend. If there was an episode or overall, just do you think that someone would like this content around relationship, sex, and mental health, send it over. So today is episode 16, and this is a conversation about my coming out story. In a previous episode, I shared with you my journey into non-monogamy, which honestly was kind of its own form of coming out. And today, I want to talk about my coming out story in terms of my sexual orientation. And I'm sharing this with you for two reasons. Number one, I I think it's really important to hear each other's stories. Um, You know, we hear a lot of stories growing up. We hear Cinderella and Little Red Riding Hood and Jack and the Beanstalk. And now I'm just listing characters from Into the Woods. Um, But we hear a lot of stories. And I don't think we hear enough of each other's stories. I think we hear a lot of authored stories that have a very clear Uh, beginning, middle, and end, and a character arc. And I don't think we hear enough real-life stories, which often don't have a beginning, middle, or end. They 
they're often messy and complicated. And sometimes you think it's the end and then it's not. Or sometimes you want it to be the end and then it's not. Or you want it to last forever and it ends sooner. And it doesn't make narrative sense (laughs) the way that storybooks do and the way that movies or TV shows do. So that's number one. I think it's really important to hear each other's stories. Um, And especially as a therapist and an educator, often people will look at me and think things like, oh, well, she must have it all figured out because she is in this position of blah, blah, blah. Nope. Nope. I do not. I want you to see and understand that I don't and, and I didn't. And that is okay. I am a human. I'm constantly figuring myself out. My story is ever evolving. And frankly, my coming out story has evolved since the first time I ever shared it publicly. So let's dive in. Uh, So the story begins (laughs) when I was 15. Now, if we really look back past 15, I'm sure that there are other uh, moments in time that lean into this. But for me, consciously, 15 years old was the first time that I had a crush on another woman. I was working at Chuck E. Cheese, and if you, the other woman here, (laughs) are listening, hello, Uh, thank you for letting me share this story so many places. I so deeply appreciate you. Um, Chuck E. Cheese was my first job. I was 15 and a half. I wanted to get a car, and my parents were like, cool, get a job. And I was like, okay. So I got a work permit and started working at Chuck E. Cheese. And this woman and I were flirty at work. And I remember thinking to myself, this is so weird. I am flirting with a girl in a way that I've only flirted with boys. Now, that flirting continued. And it wound up being that my first sexual experience with a woman was with this same person from Chuck E. Cheese. And I, it was a wonderful experience. We had a sleepover and we did the thing where like (laughs) we laid in her bed for hours. I mean, I'm sure it was only like five or six hours, but like it felt like an eternity an eternity and like kind of touched pinkies. And then like, we're talking about boys and I was so confused. Like I didn't understand, but what I did understand was that I really wanted to be there. And I kept having this thought, like kiss her, kiss her, kiss her. And I was so scared. And finally we did. And there were some other things that happened and it was just a really, really wonderful experience. And I did not tell a soul. I did not tell a soul. And because we were both women, I mean, girls at the time, it was super easy for me to be able to be like, hey, mom, can I go sleep over at so-and-so's? Because of our heteronormative culture, me saying, can I go sleep at this other girl's house? There wasn't even a question, right? If I had said, hey, can I go sleep at Joe's house or John's house? They would have been like, um, who's John? 
are, are his parents going to be there? Right? Like it would have been a whole thing, but because of our insane heteronormative society, because it was another woman, it was like, yeah. And here's the thing. I, I knew that I liked men too. I had already, if, if you remember, if you listened to the episode where I talked about my journey into non-monogamy, you know that I was having very deep and intimate, both physically and emotionally, relationships um, in the ages of 14 and 15. So I knew that I really liked men, boys, whatever, guys. And I figured that because I had more crushes and more sexual and physical experiences with men, that that must mean that I was going through my quote-unquote college phase early, which totally tracked with this narrative that I heard about myself and took on for myself that I did everything earlier. You know, everyone thought that I was older than I was. Um, in fact, there's literally a running joke in my immediate family that I've been 35 my whole life and that I've just been like, catching up to that point. I'm only like a year and a couple months away, a year and a, no, oh my God, a year and eight days away the day that I'm recording this. Wow. Wild. So, okay. I'm almost, I was almost 16 and I thought, well, this makes sense. I'm going through my like 18 to 21 year old quote unquote lesbian phase that everybody talks about when they go to college. Um, this is literally what I was thinking was like, oh yeah, you know, when some girls go to college, they go through this quote unquote lesbian phase. And I just must be going through it earlier because I've done everything earlier. So now let's skip ahead to 19 years old. Nothing actually ever happens uh, emotionally, physically, within a romantic or sexual way between me and another woman between the ages of 16 and 19. Now, if I really look back, like, did I have crushes and deep connections and desires? Abso-fucking-lutely. But I was not acting on them. And I started, I had very significant relationships with important men in, in or boys, whatever, in my life during the ages of 16 to 19. Um, so around 19 years old is when I had my second acknowledged crush on another woman. And at the time I was working for, <laughs> so, so I, I, I worked a lot through school. I, I paid for, for school and had student loans and all that jazz. And, uh, I worked a lot of different jobs to, you know, live and one of those was I started working for a sex toy company that was a multi-level marketing company. And think about it as like Mary Kay, but for sex toys, you know, or like Beachbody, but for sex toys. Um, and I had no idea about MLMs at the time. Like I just loved the idea that I got to learn all about these toys and I got to like host these parties and go educate people. It was, it was a way of being a sex educator. I wanted to also learn about sex psychology and all that stuff. So I thought that doing this would be a really good way of learning about it. So then this was the mechanism. This gig was the mechanism that I got in with this woman that I had a crush on. And this woman happened to be my boss at work. 
I want to quickly interrupt this episode to talk about my latest project with Best Self Co. If you don't already know, Best Self Co. is a brand with a range of simple yet meaningful tools that help people achieve their goals, be more productive, and create positive change in their life. I've had the pleasure of working with Best Self Co. on a few projects, the latest being their brand new Intimacy After Dark deck. This 150 card conversation deck is a tool for talking about and exploring sex to bring more connected intimacy into your life. The deck was designed with all relationship structures in mind and includes a conversation framework adapted and approved by me that guides you through consensual and comfortable conversations about sex. Best Self was so kind to provide a code to my listeners so that you can get your hands all over the Intimacy After Dark deck before it's gone. Use the code RACHEL, R-A-C-H-E-L, during checkout at bestself.co and get 30% off the new Intimacy After Dark deck. That's bestself.co and code RACHEL for 30% off the new After Dark deck. I want to thank Best Self Co. for being one of today's podcast sponsors. Now, back to our conversation. I won't say where I was working at the time because... I don't want to give away any identifying information of this person just for her own privacy. Um, So anyway, I started talking about the sex toys that I was selling and she had made some sort of comment about uh, a type of toy that she liked. And so I got one. I ordered one wholesale and I gave it to her as a gift with some like horribly stupid card with a joke about like, let me know if you need a hand or something like that. And I, (laughs) I was dating a a man, a, a guy at the time. And I, this literally caused me so much stress that I broke out into hives. Um, I'll never forget it. I really, I really liked this woman. And I was sleeping over at my best friend Kelly's house. And I told her, I was like, I have to break up with this, the guy that I'm dating. I I have to, because of course, as we talked about in my journey into non-monogamy, in my head and in my experience, monogamy was the only option. So if I wanted to explore things with this woman, I had to end this perfectly fine and lovely relationship that I was in. Otherwise, it's wrong or not okay to even think about the idea of someone else. So I broke out in hives. I thought I was attacked by spiders. I came downstairs and I was like, hey, Kelly's mom, I think there was a spider in my bed and she's a nurse. And she was like, "Mm, nope, those are hives, Rachel. Those are definitely hives. And that day I met up with my boyfriend at the time and I told him, this is what I told him. I said, I think I'm gay. I want to date this woman. And he was basically like, well, you can go fuck yourself. He was so mad at me. And I don't think he was mad at me because I said, I think I'm gay. I think he was mad at me because this to him came out of nowhere. 
I had not been open about my past experience with my Chuck E. Cheese coworker. I had not told anyone about that. And so for, for this person that I was breaking up with, who he saw a future with me, I was like, I think I'm gay. And he took that as a personal offense and felt very betrayed. And so I was like, well, he's mad at me. I hate men now. I must be a lesbian. That's it. This is two women. That must mean I'm gay. I'm definitely a lesbian. There is no other explanation. So I started telling everyone. My family was so supportive, so supportive, and they were skeptical. Now, here's the thing, though. They were not skeptical about me not being heterosexual. What they were skeptical about was me being a lesbian. Because I'm not. <laughs> so they saw me saying this and they were incredibly supportive, but, and they were aware enough to know, not to say like, no, no, you're not. Um, but I'm also very sensitive and empathetic and like aware of people, people's responses to things. And so I sensed their kind of hesitation. Um, around this, like, yeah, we love you no matter what. Like, just go be Rachel. Have fun. We love you regardless. But it didn't feel like, oh, of course you're a lesbian. Welcome to the LGBTQ community, right? Like, it, it wasn't that. And again, rightfully so, because I'm not, I'm not a lesbian. And they, they knew that. So then I saw that relationship through uh, with my coworker, my boss, and that ended. Um, it was a very interesting relationship. I had my first time ever going to a lesbian bar in West Hollywood. Um, I had a bit of a lot of like stereotypical lesbian experiences for the month I identified as a lesbian. I bought a lot of flannel. Um, I got a pair of Doc Martens. I uh, bought a new pair of Birkenstocks. <laughs> and I, I laugh, but like seriously, this is what I thought I had to do. I, I was like, well, if I'm going to be in the club now, I got to get my uniform. And I knew that there were social norms in this situation too. And I was leaning into those. And then that relationship ended. And I was like, whoa, gosh, where I miss my like pink frilly dresses. And so all of a sudden I like rebounded insanely hardcore and started dressing so much more feminine and I was like, well, I want to date men again. I miss penises. And I remember literally telling Kelly that, my best friend. I was like, Kel, I miss penises. And she was like, what? Sure. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, totally. And Kelly's heterosexual, like very heterosexual. And so she was like, whatever you, what? yeah, that makes sense to me. So... What I noticed was in my sinking back into this identity of a heterosexual person, which I really thought was a binary. I really thought that I was either straight or gay. And as I slipped back into my heterosexual self, I also sunk back into a more feminine expression of my gender. It never actually dawned on me that I was allowed to or could date another woman. 
So I got on dating websites and there were no apps at this time dating myself here. Um, I got on dating websites and I would set my search parameters to men because I was like, okay, well, if I'm not a lesbian, then I like men. Those were just two exceptions to my rule, I guess. And then, drum roll please, I had my third female crush, third crush on a woman. And she happened to be another person in a position of power in my life, which is very interesting and we can unpack that later. And I was 22 years old and she was a bit older than me and identified very much as a lesbian. Um, she was very masculine presenting in her woman gender identity. But by this time, I had learned about sexual fluidity. So I had learned that it wasn't perhaps that I was gay or straight or heterosexual or homosexual. And this person was the first person that I told, I think I might be bisexual. And while that relationship didn't work out, um, she helped me own my bisexual identity. She was the person in my life that helped me know that being bisexual was okay. And this really pushed against every stereotype that I had heard about really like lesbian lesbians. I had heard so many icky things about like lesbian women don't like bisexual women because they're just flip floppy. And this, this person gave me the space and the permission and the grace to explore my sexuality, to be who I was. And it was the first time that I really, um, it was the most sexually explorative I had ever been with a woman. Um, you know, I was older, I, I was 22. And so I, I had a bit more, I was still very young and, and very, um, naive in many ways and very inexperienced in many ways. And I had been sexually active at this point since I was 14 and a half. So 15 and a half, 16 and a half, 17 and a half, 18 and a half, 19 and a half, 20 and a half, 20. Like we're almost eight, on eight years. So I felt a bit more comfortable to, to explore. And, and she gave me that space to explore. So there is a point in this though that I really want to emphasize, which is I grew up in an incredibly liberal home, like incredibly liberal. Now at the time, my dad was like, I'm fiscally Republican, but socially liberal. And like at the time that was a thing, not so much anymore. Um, but it was a very liberal home. And I had both in school and private sex ed. My mom took me to like a mommy and me birds and the bees tampon festival. Um, and even with all of that, I did not learn the true definition of bisexuality until I was in my third year of college. I was 20 years old when I learned what bisexuality meant. So if I didn't learn what bisexuality was until my third year of college with all of those factors, the liberal home, the in-school sex ed, the private sex ed, the open communication in my house, who does know? So now flash forward, I have a partner who is a woman and I call her my wife. I proposed to her. I got down on one knee. And once I came out and understood who I was, that I am very feminine in my gender pre presentation, 
and I like wearing sparkly stuff. And I really love wearing flannels and Converse and Birkenstock sometimes. And that is okay. And that doesn't have anything to do with my sexual orientation. I can have both. I can do both. And when I fully came out as who I am, Ashley came into my life. And she has just been, oh, I'm going to cry. <laughs> She's just been everything that I could ever ask for. Um, and I share that with you because... It's truly when I stepped into living my truth that this was able to happen for me and not before. It was until I could say, this is me and I accept all of these parts of myself and I am wonderful exactly how I am that she came into my life. So that's my story. And... It's not the end of my story. <laughs> my sexuality is constantly evolving. It's ever-changing, ever-flowing. It's fluid. It changes over time. It changes in different contexts. And I, I feel very grateful to be able to share that with you today. Um, and if anybody is listening that was a part of that journey, either one of the women that I talked about or perhaps you were one of the guys that I was dating during that time, thank you for your patience. And I'm sorry. Both of those things. I want to wish all of you happy trails on your sexual orientation journey and figuring out what makes you you. And I promise you that when you are able to be your full self in this world, anything is possible. Have a wonderful day, friends. That's all for today, you sexy folks. What questions came to mind as you were listening? Continue the conversation with me over on Instagram at the right underscore Rachel. And don't forget, please leave a rating and a review so that we can continue erasing shame and stigma together. 